If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and with me over the telephonic device is Patrick Lyons, our very favorite beat writer uh, for a long conversation today, maybe a couple of conversations today about some things going on around the Rockies, going on around baseball, moving into the offseason, uh, a regular smorgasbord here of things to discuss. Uh, But of course, I want to begin with something I wrote. But we are going to talk about uh, some fun stuff. Uh, Could the Rockies get somehow into the Mookie Betts sweepstakes? Uh, Could some uh, things in the offseason get really interesting for the Rockies on that? I think Patrick and I were sort of talking earlier before we come on and have to get super realistic about the Rockies offseason. It's worth having a couple of dream scenarios. It's it's worth wondering, if nothing else, what it might look like if a player like Mookie Betts or if the Cubs decide to sell what some of those guys might look like uh, if the Rockies could acquire them via trade. It's also interesting to wonder on those things because it wouldn't be uh, a matter of money. But I do want to begin here in Rockies land first with uh, the article I published today 
Uh, hopefully everyone is subscribed to DNVR, and so you were able to read it, about the fair expectations for the Rockies moving forward in terms of their internal improvement. And, Patrick, this is something you and I have talked about a lot, and, and since because I've obviously already gotten many of my thoughts down in a written form, I wanted to begin with some of yours, but most specifically, uh, I want to point you toward, I guess, the premise of the article, which is, I lay it out, you you can include or or not include Daniel Murphy, right? We sort of did this, is he or is he not a part of the core? So it's either a 14 or 15 person group that averages out to be either 26 and a half years old. If you include Daniel Murphy, it goes up to 26.8. It's not a huge difference one way or, or another. They're relatively young. Is that a good place to start? Is that right? Is that enough? Or in baseball, is 15 of 25 in this day and age actually not that good? Yeah, I think there's a strong core, and, and you obviously make that very clear in the piece, I think 15 is the right amount, especially when you look at the quality of those players, ranging from the elite players like Arenado and Story, as well as those high leverage players, and, and now David Dahl, an all-star, and we're going to expect him to continue at that rate, Charlie Blackman. And there's a lot of quality in there. It's it's not just a quantity, but it's, it's quality. You have uh, virtually your entire lineup set for next year. Um, it's it's the starting rotation that is the issue and, and maybe the most troubling and, and puzzling issue that could prevent the organization from um, having this window of opportunity completely slammed shut. But I think ultimately what your article does is it makes it clear that there is a window of opportunity right now, that they've got this young core and it's, you know, really not even to take it one step further. It's not even that they're just young. It's that they're also very controllable. You know, they're going to be in control. Uh, the Rockies will, will have their rights for several more years to come. In fact, David Dahl to pick one, uh, off the pile right there. He's not even going to be arbitration eligible this year. So that's that's five more seasons that you have him with the Colorado Rockies. So, you know, by by having that cost control and that and the relative cost certainty, that does allow you to go out on the fringes and pick up players where you might need that. Now, of course the 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 guys from number sixteen to twenty five that's kind of where the the roster went wrong this year. That's re- really where the organization went wrong in 2019. It was that the bottom 10 of the roster really pulled down the top 15 players from the starting pitching to the bullpen. And that's where ultimately Jeff Breidich and his, his team is going to uh, live or die. You know, the, the free agents that they pick up um, to possibly bolster the starting rotation or bolster the bullpen, that's going to really be the most dependent factor uh, as to whether or not this window of opportunity gets squandered or if they are able to do some big things. And, you know, to make one thing clear, the, the window of opportunity doesn't mean, you know, this team should win a World Series because that is just incredibly hard. We look at the, the LA Dodgers and all of the you know, pieces that they've had going for them with with their large payroll for the past 20 plus years, and yet they're still looking for their first one since 1988. So 
uh, it's easier said than done, but the window is ultimately about being, you know, consistent perennial playoff contender. And right now for this franchise, that window, that, that goal that you're probably setting your sights on right now, as, as low as it might be, it's to try to win the first NL West pennant in the franchise's history. Right. And, and it's something that I know most fans aren't feeling, uh, especially, optimistic about right now but I think when you put the roster up like this and you single out the five players who are the two things you really don't want on any roster in professional sports which is players who are past their prime past the aging bell curve so you know in their mid-30s or starting to get to that point at the very least and making a lot of money and not producing well. And the Rockies have five of those guys who are really weighing down the roster. Everyone knows who we're talking about, but it's Daniel Murphy at 34 years old. And and again, you could argue at the very least, he's, he's definitely the most productive of this group, is Murphy. His bat did still at least come around. I would expect him to hit better next year if he's still on the team. We've talked about his defense a lot. Um but at the very least, I, I don't think you can call Daniel Murphy a disaster, and we've talked about how he's still got value potentially in the trade market where a team would want to acquire him as a valuable, experienced hitter, especially an American League team. The real problem is the next group of guys. Brian Schott, 31 years old. Jake McGee at 33 years old. Wade Davis at 34 years old. And Ian Desmond at 34 years old those five players making a combined next season 69.5 million dollars which makes it very difficult to move them off of your roster we've talked about of course before you know trades maybe even just eating that money and letting them walk away because the roster spots may be just as valuable i think what needs to be made clear on the internal improvement game here, though, and, th- and this was the point I tried to drive home a bit in the article, is that all of these guys arguably have already been replaced by people on the roster. Uh, again, let's set Murphy aside. He- he's, the, he's the side argument in all of this. But Wade Davis is not the closer anymore. Scott Oberg is. Jake McGee and Brian Shaw have had their roles usurped by Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz. I think Ian Desmond has lost his starting outfield spot to Raimel Tapia with both Garrett Hampson and Sam Hilliard making a push for some starting opportunities as well. So the question is, do you think, I argue in the piece, I I think I had one point a sentence that says, they can come back with a similar roster I also make it very clear they have to make changes, but some of these guys can still be on the roster, but they can't be played the same. Patrick, how confident are you that the Rockies understand that and would actually, could they, could we see both Daniel Murphy and Ian Desmond on the bench if they're both on the roster? By all accounts, if you pay attention to what Breidich and... Um, to a lesser extent, Monford and, and Black said during the media availability, it is basically that they need to learn from certain mistakes. 
And I think one of those mistakes is rolling out substandard players, giving playing time to guys who aren't ultimately deserving of that when there are better options. I think with the rise of those players you mentioned, Hilliard and Hampson, to name a few, as well as some of the younger guys in the bullpen who you know, provided some, some really quality outings there during the month of September, then you now can understand that you don't need to use Jake McGee quite as frequently as you did during some of the middle months of the season. Um, same thing for, for Brian Shaw to a lesser extent. And, you know, if, if the second baseman really start to uh, have, a, you know, somewhat of a, a surge, uh, whether that's Brendan Rodgers or Hampson in a permanent second baseman position, or as you had um, thrown out there, some of the free agent second baseman options, if you can get them cheap, like a Scooter Jeanette or Joe Panic, uh, what have you, then yes, you don't need to rely upon Daniel Murphy to you know have 450-plus at-bats or 600 at-bats, as would have been the case this year um, had he been healthy and not you know broken his finger in uh, so early in the season. Same can be said for Ian Desmond. Uh, really, for Ian Desmond, it's not even so much that his position has been taken. I think his spot in the roster has been taken. I think he still has, you know, some more uh, good years ahead of him, ultimately. Maybe not at the $15 million he'll make going into this season. Uh, maybe closer to the $8 million he'll be making in 2021. But um, he, he doesn't have a spot in the outfield right now. They've got about five or six outfielders deep. And if he's no longer a first baseman, which is Daniel Murphy's position... And, uh, you know, you, you're really looking at Josh Fuentes as, as, a, as a possible solution there coming off the bench. If McMahon is now going to become the permanent starting first baseman, then Ian Desmond doesn't have a spot on the roster. Um, you know, if you, if you look at what the Dodgers, let's take them for example, because let's face it, they've gone to the World Series the past two years. They're, they're still playing right now. They seem to be the favorites right now to win the National League again for the third straight year and how they've been going about and doing their business. And ultimately, for better or worse, that is who the, the Rockies should strive to become to a degree. Obviously, they can't um, spend money on free agency the way the Dodgers do or you know, a push to the upper limits of the collecting, collective bargaining um, tax threshold uh, that, that exists over $200 million. They can't do that. But there's a lot that they can learn from, and I think we started to see that this year with the fact that Colorado decided to cut ties on Mike Dunn and ultimately you know, have to pay him out some $5 million to not play on their roster. Uh, was that the right call? Yes. Yes. Philip Deal <laughs> yes. obviously was. Yeah, you you were able to give an opportunity to some other guys, uh, and it might not have even even been lefties. You know, it, it took a while for um, James Pazos and, and Deal to to get an opportunity there in September, but it just created another spot in the bullpen and gave them some flexibility to call guys up and send guys down. And ultimately, Mike Dunn's spot was ultimately you know was was used as um, the fifth-slash-sixth starter spot. When they needed an extra guy in the bullpen, called him up from Albuquerque, then they sent that guy back down, and then Chichi Gonzalez got a spot start, or Jeff Hoffman got a spot start. So that's what Mike Dunn's spot on the roster allowed them to do. 
Um, and that $5 million to have that flexibility was you know, more than worth it. Uh, it didn't translate into wins for the Rockies this season, but I think the idea of cutting ties with certain guys when they are no longer you know, providing you with, with quality outcomes on the field or in the clubhouse, God forbid, that's that's kind of the way to go. The Dodgers this past year spent twenty three dollars, excuse twenty three twenty three million dollars sure. on telling Homer Bailey to, you know, go kick rocks. Yeah, they they just bought out his contract. They they released him as soon as they acquired him, uh, and ultimately that was about you know freeing up some other money. Yasiel Sierra, Hector Oliveira, which are a couple names that you know, a lot of quality baseball fans probably have never even heard of. And both those guys were paid about $5 million each to not suit up for the Dodgers. So, um, you know, the Rockies haven't made such catastrophic mistakes as, as that, spending money on on some Cuban-born players, um, giving them major league deals. Um, but ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, a lot of teams cut ties and they say, look, um, we do need to be concerned about wins and losses. We can't just be concerned about loyalty. Loyalty is a word I think that really reigns supreme in the Rockies organization, and that that's that's something to admire for sure. In in a game in a sport in which it's very much about what have you done for me lately, and um, you know stressing guys out and. You know, you know, putting pressure where maybe it's a little unneeded. You know, so that that loyalty piece I think has been important for the Rockies franchise. But at the same time, um, they can't be blinded by that. And we're starting to see that shift. And I think that is ultimately uh, one of my takeaways from that media availability is that it, it might have been hinted at. Maybe I was just reading between the lines. But they may need to cut some ties with some guys if they're not doing what they need to do because it's going to be very hard for them to move on from some of these contracts this offseason in trades because nobody, absolutely nobody wants to take on money like that right now. Right. And uh, first of all, I, I read it very much the same way you did, but I also think that something else has sort of naturally happened here that, you know, it'd be nice to believe that the Rockies for some people I, I go back and forth on how much the loyalty thing is a good thing or a bad thing I think there are a lot of Rockies fans who really would love to believe that they're getting over it a little bit and look to things like you pointed out the Mike Dunn situation um, but I think something that kind of allows them to have their cake and eat it too so to speak here is that they can move on from these guys and couch it or, or frame it in a way where they're actually being loyalty or being loyalty they're being loyalty Patrick they're being loyal to <laughs> these other players who now have become an important part of the organization because you know as I argue in the piece we know a lot more now about Ryan Altapia and about Ryan McMahon and about Garrett Hampson and certainly about Sam Hilliard and Josh Fuentes and Jonathan Daza, we know a lot more. Certainly, Jairo Diaz is one of the, the guys we know the most more about, if, if I may really get interesting with the grammar. But what's interesting to me is that there's a group of players here that I sort of singled out. There's the high-end potential, and then there's the under-the-radar group. And I realized I left a key player out of each one of those categories, but the Rockies can afford to pay 
four of the five guys that we were talking about, that $69 million or whatever to, as you put it, go kick rocks. If you have some faith that these guys who are going to be making close to league minimum can step in and be at least as good, if not better, than what you were getting from Shamagi Davis, Desmond Murphy. And on the high end, you've got uh, guys like Peter Lambert, Sam Hilliard, and I cannot believe I left him out of the article, Brandon Rogers. Uh, that's uh, one of the ways to just remember, yeah, the Rockies do have a lot of young talent hanging out here. But with each of Lambert, Hilliard, and Rogers, there are big question marks. Uh, we really don't know much about them. There's high-end potential there, but they just have not got their f- foot down in the big leagues yet. So we really don't know what we're going to see out of them, which is why I want to ask you about the under-the-radar group, because I think this is the key group. If, if you're going to pay McGee, Sean Davis at all to go away, who of Ryan Castellani, Jeff Hoffman, Chichi Gonzalez, Tim Melville, Chad Bettis, and then, you know, in, in the bullpen you're looking at James Pazos, Philip Deal, uh, who of that category... Uh, or or to, let me put it more broadly rather than have you pick out one or two guys, though I would be very interested to see who you think has the biggest chance to pop there. I think the more interesting question is, collectively, can you rely on that group enough? Would you just pay those guys to go away? You can spend all offseason trying to trade them. It's the day before spring training. Davis, McGee, and Shaw are all still on your roster Do you say, you know what, thanks for all the fish, (laughs) so long, I'll pay you this money to go away, because we've got these guys? I think ultimately, the best way of of answering which one of those under-the-radar guys is going to step up in 2020 is to take a step back and think about which one of the veterans doesn't take that next step forward, or doesn't make that improvement going into spring training, because... The decision as far as, you know, should you pay to go away essentially boils down to what happened in the beginning of 2018 when you had veterans like Gerardo Parra and Carlos Gonzalez taking up two key roster spots in front of some young guys like David Dahl and Ryan Altapia. And it, it's being somewhat of a shame that they were blocked and they how they didn't get that opportunity. And we saw how that worked out. They went to the playoffs. So for better or worse... Whether or not you you like that decision, it did allow Colorado to have depth. It, it gave them some strength to to have their cake and eat it too. Because if you completely jettison a veteran player, in the case in 2018 of, of Para and Cargo, now you are telling those young players that okay, you have to step up now. We are actually putting you in a pressure-packed situation to step up and be productive over the course of a 162-game season, something that you've never done before. And that's not necessarily a very good recipe for success. So they were able to do that in 2018. And I think in 2020, it'll be the same thing. If McGee, Shaw, and Davis have a good spring, which I imagine most of them will, then now you don't have to put one of your young pitchers kind of in a bad situation, whether that's 
one of the guys that got starts or one of the relievers uh, that we saw in September, but it allows them to even switch up the roles. And I think that was something you talked about on Wednesday's podcast, this idea that if you change up some of the roles of these veteran players, that you can have a lot more success, which I, I think is, is 100% accurate. As Des, with Desmond as being a guy off the bench, Murphy, same thing, and those guys getting a spot start a couple days a week, that's that's good stuff. That's They're talented ball players that still have something left in the tank. We, we, we saw it just last season um, during the playoff stretch with the Cubs. They, were, they felt they were a piece or two away, and who did they go after? Who did they target? Daniel Murphy. So now if Murphy's a guy that's coming off your bench, your overall starters and what have you must be more productive. They must be better than that. So I think if you change up those roles, the team gets a lot deeper on the offensive side. On the pitching side, now Wade Davis, because he's not making, uh, well, he's still making $17.5 million, but with the organization not making a big issue of that, now he can start to have success. Part of the problem this past season, and this is what Breidich essentially I felt like was alluding to, was ultimately if you're paying a guy closer money, he needs to figure it out in the ninth inning. So they kept putting Davis out there in those big spots when it was clear that something was wrong, and we still don't really know what was wrong. But now if they take a step back and say, look, you still have very potent stuff. We think you can figure it out. You've been one of the most valuable relievers um, in the past five years or so. You know, we're just going to have you start out in the seventh inning, get his confidence going again, kind of do a little bit of rebuilding of who he is. And now you've got a now you've got a very good setup man there, and not a guy worth seventeen and a half million dollars, but he's a guy that you're going to get some value out of. I think Shaw is an innings eater. Um, his his whip was down this year, uh, but I think ultimately he left more balls over the plate than he would have liked. But there was some progress. There was some promise there. There is, as I said, a, an ability to eat innings and pitch well at, at Coors Field. And you know you can teach that to some of those young guys. And so there is that value. He's a righty that can get out righties. Jake McGee, unfortunately, on the other hand, is a lefty that cannot get out lefties. He's got reverse splits, uh, and that, that's somewhat of a shame. So he could be that guy that, that is the odd man out. That being said, getting back to the initial question, who's that under-the-radar guy? Well, I think that would be Chichi Gonzalez, whether that is in somewhat of a Chad Bettis long reliever role or if that is as the fifth starter. When he was signed in the offseason, I was a little bit shocked to see what his age was because it had seemed like, you know, close to a decade ago that I had seen him come up with the Rangers, not knowing how young he was at that time. And, you know, he's 27 years old. He still has a lot more baseball left. And the fact that the Rockies gave him an opportunity to pitch this year when a lot of other people didn't or counted him out, you know, that goes a long way. And he's, you know, has a real strong personality and a mental makeup. He gets along with everybody in the clubhouse. He's appreciative after every one of his starts for the press talking to him, whether it's a good start or bad start. He sticks his hand out, shakes your hand, and gives you that respect. And you know he's a clubhouse leader in that way uh, for both those who, who speak Spanish and those who speak English primarily. So he's the guy I think that can bounce back, especially when you look at the numbers he put up in September, not just against teams that were giving opportunities to quadruple-A players or rookie prospects. He was doing it 
in big spots against the Dodgers in L.A. when they're battling for the top seed in the NL. He, he's doing it against the St. Louis Cardinals, the Mets who were still in contention at that point for one of the last wildcard spots. So he really stepped up and proved that there is, you know, there's a lot more in the tank. And this is his first year after Tommy John. So we could see an even better and more improved Chichi Gonzalez, one that might be able to do it for an entire season this time. Um, I certainly could see Chichi taking that because he's very appreciative of, of all of the opportunities that the franchise has given him. It's not manipulation. That's just, um, that's just the way of the world. You saw it with Jairo Diaz. You know, he was, he was a free agent. And when it came time for him to, to get back into pro ball, he decided to go to the one club that he did know. So, you know, these, these relationships kind of go beyond, you know, what have you done for me lately? Or, Hey, you know what? I, I don't appreciate the way I was used here and there. So screw you guys. I'm going to go sign with somebody else. You know, there's, um, these, these relationships go, go back, you know, a long ways and can be, you know, very deep. And in the case of Gonzalez and the Rockies right now, it's, it's very, um, it was a very heartwarming story and a very important one for Chi Chi, um, as the Rockies were the lone team that reached out and gave him an opportunity to come back from Tommy John surgery this season. That's the the plus side of the the loyalty conversation. And uh, speaking of being loyal, you know that we here at DNVR are very local, very loyal to local businesses. It's in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. It's uh, Look, it's the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. Very customizable, are they? DRC offers innovative solutions to serve as diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. All right, Patrick, uh, you sent me this topic for today, and I was very tickled by the premise because one of the best players in baseball is arguably on the block, as they say. Uh, You never know, but uh, this Mookie Betts situation is interesting, and we should you know, front load this whole conversation by saying we do not expect Mookie Betts to play for the Colorado Rockies next season. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there there are a lot of interesting, and we I guess we could even get into a little bit of, of where we think he could be an interesting fit. But why is this something that should even at all be, if we can go back to our radar, on the Rockies radar, over, under it, anywhere near uh, the Colorado Rockies radar? Well, it goes back to our first conversation about that window of contention right now. And although that window is seemingly long, um, especially if you can 
retain Trevor Story when he becomes a free agent in two years, and Nolan Arenado does not opt out. But if you are really concerned about that, you can add an MVP, another MVP um, caliber player in your outfield next season. It won't be cheap. No, no doubt about it. Um, as you know, Mookie Betts set some records last year with uh, earning twenty million dollars in arbitration, and, and he'll be up for it again next year. But you are, uh, you man, you're just adding excitement um, to a level that you know we haven't seen in quite a while in the outfield since you know the heyday of of Carlos Gonzalez, and it's probably even you know uh, a notch or two above that. And you put Mookie Betts in the middle of that lineup. That that can move everybody down. That takes a little bit more pressure off of everyone. You know, Nolan has always been, you know, outside of his his his, his rookie season, kind of getting the the last vestiges of of Todd Helton's uh, time at the organization. He's always been kind of kind of the man outside of Cargo, of course, and 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 Tulo there for a little bit. And I think at this point in, in Nolan's career, I think it would be really helpful for him to get another boost. You know, we, we saw how he's upped his game the last year or two, and, and we'll certainly have an exclusive about what Nolan has been doing to, to continue to up his game to now Hall of Fame level caliber. Um, but we, we saw what Story's, um, you know, emergence was able to do for him. I think Betts would do more of the same if – you know, Boston has an impressive analytics department. We got to see that when they did come to Coors Field in August. And, you know, the hallways were kind of lined with uh, these tables and laptops and guys crunching numbers. It was it was wild. It was like being inside of a, um, a Wall Street stock trader, you know, offices. It was, it was pretty impressive right. how their analytics department works. And, you know, for better or worse, a guy or two is going to get poached from the organization that you're going to look back and go, wow, that Boston really, you know, robbed us there. But uh, at the same time, that guy that uh, Boston might want could be a guy that the Rockies don't really feel too strongly about. You know, we we look at these prospect rankings, and you know, I, I think during the media availability, it was probably correctly, you know, pointed out that these aren't always, you know, done by industry insiders. Yes, they do get a lot of input from those insiders, but they don't know, you know, individually what each organization might think about a guy or the notes that they have on them when being scouted. So there are guys that go under the radar like a Sam Hilliard and Trevor Story, as we've seen, and Garrett Hampson was barely thrown into um, a couple top 100 lists at the beginning of this year. So, you know, if, if there's a guy that, that the Rockies maybe – you know, don't really need on their death chart. And if they if they're noticing that, hey, they don't really need a, another third baseman for a few more years to come. Then, if Boston is interested in that player, then the Rockies can you know again get something for nothing. So, it uh, it's it's interesting to dream upon to see you know uh, what kind of package they would give up. But you know, I think I think Betts would really just you know, elevate the organization to another level and, and probably, you know, help people on the coasts understand that, okay, they're, that team is pretty serious out there in the Rocky Mountains and we need to take another look at them. And man, they're going to be exciting, exciting team to watch. And they, they'll pick up a few more fans 
and um, it, it, it could help overcome some of the issues they had this year with the starting pitching. Yeah, uh, the rotation may have uh, you know an ERA closer to six. Well, if you're scoring seven to eight runs every single night because you got Mookie Betts in the lineup, okay, then you're going to win 90 games again in 2020. He also does help in the run de- uh, prevention department. He's a very good defender. Uh, and and so yeah no I mean and, and the other thing that's I think interesting that's been brought up a couple of times because of the media availability and Dick Monfort's we're not going to make a huge splash comments I see a lot of people going therefore the Rockies aren't doing anything this offseason and like there's a whole range of different types of transactions teams can make and so big splash means they're not going to sign any big free agents that doesn't mean you can't do all kinds of interesting things in in the trade department. And in fact, that's not even in Dick Monfort's purview. Uh, That's Jeff Breidich's area. And so if he goes out and can find a trade of young players, but then also shed enough salary, that would be the only thing where, you know, Dick Monfort might come in and say, no, 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 I'm not going to take on that, uh, as you mentioned, record arbitration salary. We're not just going to add that. But if you're given Boston good enough prospects that they'll also take, you know, one of these relievers who would invariably go to Fenway and be awesome, you know, but you you do a little bit of uh, matching on the salaries to make it happen, whether it's Mookie Betts or any other player, the Rockies do have Brendan Rodgers and Colton Welker and Peter Lambert and Ryan Castellani and Sam Hilliard and Garrett Hampson and even... Ryan McMahon and David Dahl, quite frankly, really no position player in the Rockies organization beyond Arenado and Story, and and even really those guys. Like, Story might be the only position player who I would just not trade under any circumstances. Um, I, I don't think there's a way you can trade Trevor Story right now at 26 years old, still on the upward trajectory, and and make your major league baseball team immediately better. I guess maybe if you acquired like two ace level pitchers. That's the only thing I could think of that would that that would make that even worth considering. But everybody else on the roster you can get creative with and you could get interesting things for depending on what other teams need because if you do end up having to you know move a a like, I don't know why Boston would want to do this, but they said, we really want David Dahl. We'll give you Mookie Betts for David Dahl, and we'll take Wade Davis's contract for you so that it balances out. You're, you're barely paying Mookie, you know, that much more than you were going to be paying Wade Davis. Now your team, you know, as good as Dahl was, you've got a much more reliable player uh, who's done all of these things in the big leagues, who's going to do some crazy stuff in your lineup. You know, I don't know that I would necessarily do that. I'm just listing that as a, you know, an example of things that I think people aren't thinking about as even possibilities because the Rockies said they weren't going to spend money. But they didn't say, hey, we're, we're all of our young guys are staying on the team. We couldn't trade a, a Brendan Rodgers for him or something like that. It gets interesting. Yeah, that, that was actually the exact deal I was thinking. It would be it'd be Dahl and Davis and then uh, for Betts. And then I kind of, of course, recall Seriously? That yeah, no, exactly, yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think that that could uh, get it done 100%. Uh, I don't know if it would be enough, in fact, for Boston because they're, they're, the whole genesis of this, hey, we may need to move Bet's contract, is because they want to get under the collective bargaining tax threshold. 
and you know um, between the you know let's say it could be it could, it could go up to about 27 million dollars I think in arbitration it's going to be otherworldly what he ends up uh, getting but you know that that would save them 10 million dollars so it's 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 a decent amount it's more money than you and I have ever made in our lives. Sure. Um, but to the Boston Red Sox, $10 million might not necessarily be enough. But, you know, they've had issues with their bullpen this year. And I think they could see, hey, we, we'll, we'll fix Wade Davis, get him away from Coors Field, and he'll probably go back to, to doing what he did before. And it's only a one-year deal. There's no such thing as a as a bad one-year contract. So Dolan Davis for Mookie Betts, um, you know, who says no first, really? Uh you know, you talk about the off season a little bit. Uh, I think it will be quiet. You know, I, I think the Rockies are going to look to make moves to improve the roster any way they can. Now they can't really do that by adding a, a big free agent. I think ten four to ten million dollars is probably that that magic number that we saw we saw right. last season. Um, that's where Daniel Murphy came from. I think we'll see that again this off season unless they're able to offload a contract, which I just don't know that they will be able to do because be other tough. teams it, yeah it's going to absolutely be tough and, and you need to you need to pair up with the right team that needs a certain young player from the Rockies roster because you know you would have to the the pairing that I I keep coming back to is is Jake McGee and Ryan Altapia for hey just give me your 50th best prospect just so I, I've got mm-hmm. something. Give me, give me your, your 50th and your 60th, just so I got two guys coming back. So you're saying, look, they if happen you will, to be left-handed relievers too, you know? Yeah. Um, ultimately, it's just saying, look, if you take McGee's contract, we will give you, right. you know, a very promising young outfielder that's controllable. So it would have to be, you know, uh, uh, an even smaller market team, if that's possible, <laughs> than uh, than the Denver area. Um, that is that's a need of an outfielder because that's the biggest crunch. That's the biggest crunch right now with especially with Hilliard stepping up, what we saw out of Hampson, David Dahl coming back healthy, and uh, and Desmond possibly being that that fifth outfielder. You you've got a lot of um, you've got a lot of potential there that you can't all fit into those three spots. So Tapia could be the odd man out. Um, if, if people are coveting Hilliard, then, then it's Hilliard and McGee, and, and maybe you get a little bit more. But they're they're not going to get a lot for that. You're going to have to pair something with upside with 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 one of those contracts, and it's it's going to be a real um, it's going to be a, a basic off season. There's not going to be anything flashy, um, it, nothing that really you know really moves the dial all that much. To go back to a, a phrase that we used a lot last off season. Uh, but you know, keep in mind, keep in mind that you know January twenty eighth, two thousand six was a pretty big day in the Rockies franchise history, and at the time, it was the Jake McGee for Corey Dickerson trade. And now, of course, we know that very notably to be the Herman Marquez trade. So, you know, you might not get that. You might not get the deal that you want this off season if you're a Rockies fan, but. You know, uh, give it some time because you know Bradich has been able to to pull a couple diamonds out of the rough, and it it might be some time until you know a, a trade like that kind of comes to fruition, and we go, son of a gun, what do you know that that little deal that was pulled off that didn't seem like it was anything, it ended up being a real big one for the organization. That's sort of the silver lining of the tough spot that they're in, that they have 
no real money to spend in free agency, so they'll have to do trades, is that Jeff Breidich has always been much better at trading than he has been at signing free agents. I mean, across the board, almost, I will, on my deathbed, defend Gerardo Parra and the Gerardo Parra signing and his time in Denver and that particular move. When he gets thrown in with all of the other free agents, I my eye always kind of twitches a little bit. You know, not Parra. Don't put him in with the others. But the free agents have not been good. We, the, one of the list we ran through earlier of the five guys, all Jeff Breidich free agent signings. The trades, on the other hand, have been very good for the most part. I mean, we're still, I guess, seeing whatever will have come of the Tulo trade. But even just having gotten away from the disastrous end of his career, you can call that a win. And then the rest of them, bringing in Lucroy, Nishek, O, Marquez. And all of those were probably, as you put it, under the radar, underrated. <laughs> what other cliches can we come up with? Um, bargain moves, bin. <laughs> but yeah, bargain bin, going out to the scrap heap. You know, uh, checking for uh, you used diamonds in the rough already, didn't you? Ah, damn. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, he's he's been good at that and that's what you need when you don't have money to spend you need the diamonds in the rough those you, you gotta hope a guy like james pasos or philip deal or joe harvey one of those three guys can can figure it out and those are the types of players i think you're right that they're going to be acquiring this offseason there's going to be a lot of rockies fans like at the beginning of major league going, who are these effing guys you know looking in the newspaper the construction what who they've this this is the guy they think is going to fix it, but I, I think you get enough of those guys in, and you're right. There's possibility for a splashy. They do have the prospects if they want to make a super splashy move, but the the scrap heap bargain bin moves, those are the ones he's been good at. So maybe it's a, a kind of blessing in disguise. There it is, last cliche of the podcast, a blessing in disguise, <laughs> a silver and, lining. And and really, you know, the, the Rockies have to – take a page out of uh, some of the, the other team's books, another metaphor. Um, <laughs> and, and, and one of those teams would be the Rays. You know, we, we saw how successful they were this year and they've always kind of been successful. And you go, man, those seem very under the radar, but shoot, they're, they're getting it done. And, you know, um, there was an interesting article that, that came out about, you know, their, their roster construction. 17 of their guys, you know, came via trades and you know not not too many homegrown and not too many that that came in free agency so they've been able to do that by picking up those guys that are just under the radar and you know and and seeing where there's value where maybe another team didn't see it or they were blocked by you know a star player and you know the the Rockies I think it's been harder for them to do that in the recent past because there are so many teams looking to do, you know, the exact same thing, um, trying to, to find, you know, value, you know, basically, you know, playing the modern version of Moneyball. Like, who's a guy right now in double AA, AAA that can move, you know, through the ranks quickly and make an immediate impact? You know, Yandy Diaz is was that guy for the Rays, you know, this past year. And there's other guys lurking out there. And, you know, the Rockies, I think, have been good at identifying their own guys who've been able to come up through the ranks quickly. You know, Hampson was obviously that guy where, you know, drafted in 16 and then he's up in the majors last year in 18. 
you know, had, hadn't played above high A in 2018, and then before you know it, he's a he's a key part of the of that roster in September in the in the push to get into the playoffs. And I think the next guy for the organization, uh, not to get too far ahead, is is Brett Boswell. We saw him. He's he's playing down right now in the, in the Arizona Fall League, and although he does not need to be protected before um, December's Rule Five draft, he's he's one of those guys that's kind of been earmarked to move quickly, and we could see him, you know, at the beginning uh, or rather at, at the the end of of next season being a contributor. So you're right. That's definitely one of the areas where Colorado seems to excel at, at, at plucking those guys from other organizations. And we didn't get enough time really to see all of Pazzo, Steele, and Harvey. Although what we did see from Pazzo and Deal definitely was, uh, was, was very positive in the month of September. And, and those could be guys that, that allow you to move on from some of the, uh, the contracts from, from the relief pitchers that they've got right now. Right. Even Diaz back in the day was one of those guys they traded for uh, as a minor leaguer. And Almonte. so Alma, yep, Almonte, they, they, they've been good at this. It's so it's what they need to do. Maybe it's a good thing. It's all they can do because um, they need to do more and more of it. They got they got to go get those guys. Uh, well put. All right. I think we should wrap it up there. We do have a lot more to talk about, but I think we're going to leave that for another episode of the podcast make sure you're following us on all the social media at dnvr underscore rockies at patrick d lyons at drew creaseman give us a like share and subscribe on facebook whatever podcast app you're uh using out there of course subscribe into dnvr as we will be continuing to analyze this team break down whatever news comes your way we got a lot more exclusives coming out soon we we got a lot of good conversations in before the guys most of them went back home we're going to be able to catch up with some over the phone throughout the offseason so stick with us we'll stick with you because you continue to be absolutely awesome we continue to be absolutely patrick lyons and drew creaseman and until next time we will see you at the ballpark This episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast was brought to you by The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase.